What is Gen X? What is the silent generation? What do generations have in common? Hi, I'm Trish the Dish from the Gen X Voice Podcast, and I invite you to listen to conversations I have with folks from different generations, backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences in an attempt to see what connects rather than divides us. Even though Gen X has been called slackers, Karens, or not mentioned at all in some cases, we are the bridge generation, so I feel compelled to do my part to destroy ageism by bringing all these voices together. And, as a bonus, each guest gets to answer some 80s questions at the end of each show. So download and listen to Gen X Voice today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And let's see how much we have in common after all. Neurological and cognitive disorders, as well as mental illness, have long been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and feared. Throughout the years, the American Psychiatric Association has discovered and sometimes removed clinical diagnoses that end up in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Each week, my co-host and I will bring you a new disorder and provide you with all the information you need to better understand how the human brain works. This is Psyche Saturday. Welcome back to another edition of Psyche Saturday. Konnichiwa. Cool. I am your host, Sarah. And of course, with me is my co-host, Dan. Oh, um, konnichiwa. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Perfect. As we continue through the schizophrenia spectrum disorders, we will touch on schizoaffective disorder in today's episode. Do you know much about schizoaffective disorder? Not really. Yeah. I didn't know much about it either until I, t- until I started studying it um, like for this episode. I would I- assume it gets confused with schizophrenia a lot. Correct. You are You are correct there. Um, and obviously I'll go through the criteria, but you'll figure out why it gets confused with schizophrenia a lot. Um, because it starts with schizo. Well, yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's why most people confuse them. The criteria is very similar. So why don't I just get into it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, schizoaffective disorder, according to the DSM-5, is defined through these diagnostic criteria. A, an uninterrupted period of illness during which there is a major mood episode concurrent with criterion A of schizophrenia. And if we remember, criterion A was the one with... um, hallucinations, delusions, all of that kind of stuff. So an uninterrupted period during which there's a major mood episode that could be either depressive or manic episode along with criterion A 
of schizophrenia. Then we have B, delusions or hallucinations for two or more weeks in the absence of a major mood episode during the lifetime duration of the illness. C, symptoms that meet criteria for a major mood episode are present for the majority of the total duration of the active and residual portions of the illness. And D, the disturbance is not attributable to the effects of a substance or another medical condition. So do you see why it gets confused with schizophrenia? Yeah, sounds an awfully <laughs> lot like it. An awful lot like it. Um, so essentially, schizoaffective disorder is an offshoot of schizophrenia, but with major mood episodes included. So it's kind of like a mix between schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Um, it pulls from both of those. And when they're in conjunction with one another, it's schizoaffective disorder. Now, I didn't research it, but I, I really want to. What would be the difference between having schizophrenia and bipolar disorder versus having schizoaffective disorder? I'm assuming it's the duration. I'm assuming it's how prevalent each episode is and each you know thing like the hallucinations and things like that so i'm really curious to know what would be the difference and how they would be able to diagnose between schizophrenia with bipolar disorder versus having schizoaffective disorder so that i would be really curious to find out however it is noted that negative symptoms in schizoaffective disorder may be less severe and less persistent than those seen in schizophrenia. So that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So what's your your feedback on what this disorder is or looks like right now after finding out like what it actually is? Is it different than what you assumed it would be or no i mean no I, I i would say i went in with the you know pre the preconceived notion that it was going to be very similar to schizophrenia mm -hmm. so no i would imagine it's it's much like i had imagined okay all right so on to the little game that we do every psyche saturday hmm. what is the prevalence of schizoaffective disorder 86 percent Correct. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is a tough one because because it has to disclude the percentage of people who are schizophrenic, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then it has to disclude everyone who's bipolar, which is, I would imagine, a fairly highly diagnosed disorder. So, like, who displays these symptoms but is not bipolar and is not schizophrenic right so i'm gonna aim low okay and i'm gonna say general population we're looking at i don't even know man 1.3 percent okay and would you say it is more prevalent in females or in males i'm gonna i'm just gonna shoot from the hip and say females. Okay. 
So lifetime prevalence is estimated to be 0.3%. There you go. All right. <laughs> yes, it is very, very low. Very, yeah, very, very, very low. And it is seen to be more prevalent in females than in males. All so right. you did get that correct. And they attribute that to the fact that it has the mood um, right. aspect. And we see that females generally tend to have more mood disorder Right. Well, females just generally tend to express more complex emotions. Yeah. Men's emotional, men's behavior as driven by emotion tends to be much simpler. Yeah. So as with anything else, the more complicated a machine becomes, the more likely it becomes to have quirky behaviors. You hear that? We're quirky. Yeah. Women out there, we're quirky. I do. I like that (laughs) word. I like that word. So. Okay, so what is the prevalence among those with a background of violent criminal behavior? So I wish that I could recall the numbers from the schizophrenia episode and then go based on those. Um, Because I would say it's probably pretty similar, but less. Okay. Uh, Dude, I don't know. 1.3%. Maybe that's where that 1.3 is. So in our schizophrenia episode, uh, we found that inmates in state prisons across the United States show a prevalence of about 2.3 to 3.9% for having schizophrenia or another psychotic disorder. So if you remember, they didn't separate them. Right. And they didn't talk about violent right. versus non-violent. Right, and I remember saying that that was BS. Yes. <laughs> so... So that didn't help at all. It didn't help. <laughs> I'm still going with my 1.3. 1. 1.3 1. 3 for yeah. violent... For violent, violent offenders, offenders having schizophrenia. Schizoaffective. Gets schizoaffective, right. Okay. So um, in a study by doctors Nolan, Volavka, Moore, and Zobor, they found that among the 51 participants that they had in their study, 26 were violent, including six who had schizoaffective disorder... That's a lot. And 25 were nonviolent, including 10 who had schizoaffective disorder. So it actually, in their study, found that huge. the nonviolent offenders m- had more, had a higher prevalence of right. schizoaffective disorder than did the violent offenders. Right. Yeah. But it's, yes. Yeah, yeah, but a 51 person study. Come on. Give me a break. Well... Right. And find, it, find another 9,949 people. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, t- we say it all the time, but, you know, we have to take all of these studies with a grain of salt because of the way that they measure, because of the sample size. You know, we, we can't say that this means that... Um, I 12% can't do math right now. of Thank all you. violent offenders <laughs> have schizoaffective schizo- disorder. Exactly. So... You know, we, we need a larger sample size to really um, embody what the population is like in order to find the real numbers here. But at le- in this study, they found that schizoaffective disorder affected more nonviolent offenders than it did violent offenders. And that's what I wanted to get out of this, this study, was to put the point across that they're not all violent. Right. So, 
because January is Stalking Awareness Month, and we just released our Stalking Awareness Month mini-sode this morning, I do want to bring attention to this disorder as it correlates to stalking. According to doctors Racine and Billick, stalkers in what is called, quote, a love obsessional stalking situation where the stalker and the victim have no prior relationship tend to have DSM axis one diagnoses, including schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, or bipolar disorder. So that spectrum of the schizoaffective type personality traits. These stalkers are the ones who tend to target celebrities and are categorized as, quote, obsessed fans. So, I mean, it makes sense, you know, if they're having hallucinations and delusions, um, they may be creating a reality in their heads that they have a relationship with a celebrity, you know, they see a celebrity on TV they fall in love with that person. They think that person's really talking to them through the television and, you know, whatever it is, and they have to go find them. And then they start stalking them because they believe they they have a true relationship with this person. It always reminds me of that Friends episode. And I think that we have mentioned that Friends episode before <laughs> where Brooke Shields plays Joey Tribbiani's stalker. Um, she truly believes that he is Dr. Drake Ramore from <laughs> Days of Our Lives thinks that when she's watching the soap opera and she's watching him perform surgery, that he's that she's actually in the hospital watching this surgery be performed. She doesn't think that he's an actor playing a role. She truly thinks that he is Dr. Drake Ramore. So she finds him somehow. Um, stalkers have ways. Mm. <laughs> um but I do want to point out that the the fact, you know, at first in the episode, Chandler and Joey are terrified. They're like, oh, no, she knows where we live. She hand delivered this because it doesn't have a return address on it. She's been in our building. You know, we're we're really scared. And then they see that it's Brooke Shields, who's this gorgeous woman. And they're like, oh, OK, this is totally fine because she's hot. Right. <laughs> I kind of mentioned it in the minisode. Um, but, you know, stalking is stalking, regardless of what the person looks like. Right. Um, if they're attractive or they're not attractive, right. they're, they're still doing the same behaviors. They're still stalking. Right. And, and any human is capable of doing significant harm to any other human. Correct. Whether it's, uh, an MMA fighter in the, in the heavyweight class or it's Brooke Shields. Yeah. You know, if you let your guard down, anyone can stick a knife in your neck. <laughs> absolutely. 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 100%. You know, uh, um, when, when, um, oh my God, uh, the Ted Bundy movie with, with Zac Efron, um, shockingly evil, vile, no. Oh my God. I can't think of what it's called right now. But um, people were so upset that Zac Efron was playing Ted Bundy. And I know we had this conversation, but... I found that to be perfect because the reason Ted Bundy was able to get as many women, unfortunately, to to comply with what he was asking them to do, like when he would, you know, have a, a broken leg, quote unquote, and like have them help him do things. It's because he was good looking and charming. Right. 
people were upset that they had somebody who was good looking playing that role because they're like, well, you know, serial killers shouldn't look that way. Serial killers should look like John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> serial killers should look like they're demented. Serial killers should look look evil. But that's not always the case. And stalkers are the same way. They're not always unattractive people. They're, they can be very attractive people, very charming people, very charismatic people. They're doing horrible things. And it's hard to see that they're doing bad things when they are physically attractive. Right. And that's just part of this. And we've talked about this before, about this stupid puritanical philosophy that, like, evil is obvious, that, right. you know, if you're good, you're beautiful, and if you're evil, you're ugly. But that's often the opposite. I mean, I don't want to talk any smack, but, like, go to several churches, and I guarantee you'll see some uggos in there. And those are good people <laughs> donating their hard-earned wages yeah. to do good for others. Yeah. And vice versa, look at half the millionaires in the world. They're pieces of garbage and they've got access to the best nutritionists and the best manicurists. They are, for all intents and purposes, beautiful people. Right. And they're kind of dicks. Right. So, you know, you can't, you cannot judge a book by its cover. You cannot judge a body by its brain. A brain by its body. <laughs> or And vice versa. Exactly. You can't, you know? exactly. You, you, you don't know what's going on in somebody's head just by looking at them. Right. You, and you, and you never will. No. You never will. No. <laughs> I, I personally blame Disney for it. To be honest with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I have always thought about this, but Cinderella, the Disney version of Cinderella, always makes me think of this because that one distinctly shows the difference between the beautiful Cinderella, who is the good person, versus her stepsisters, mm. who are the evil people, and they're hideous in that movie. Right. I mean, it's a cartoon. They're drawn, but they're they're right. ugly people. And they're it's clearly making to, that point. Correct. They're suppo It's supposed to be. And I get that it's, you know, it's a children's cartoon. It's supposed to be showing kids this is evil. But it's also telling you as you're growing up that evil is supposed to look bad. It's supposed to look ugly. And that's not 100% of the case. That it, right. That's hardly ever the case, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, most of the time, you know, we're going to see attractive people doing these things because they know that they can get right. as far as they can get because they're attractive. Right. Um, so... That's just our two cents on that part. But no, no, that, that's a fact. <laughs> okay, fine. That's a fact on that part. <laughs> that's our two cents on that fact on that part. That's our 100 full cents. That's the whole dollar. <laughs> that's the whole dollar. Take that straight to the bank. <laughs> Don't go to the bank. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Stay home. Continue to social distance if you can. <laughs> so... One obsessed fan took his stalking to a new level. We're going to get into a brief discussion of a stalking case and as it relates to schizoaffective disorder. Um, Dan does not know the extent of this case. Um, so I'm going to try to give um, as much information as I can so that he's, he's a little understanding of it. Um, a lot of you out there may know of this case because um, the victim herself is a huge advocate and she has been all over a lot of true crime documentaries, true crime podcasts. So um, here we go. So my friend, I, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to call her my friend. <laughs> 
um, Lenora Claire, who unfortunately could not make it on to the podcast this month because it's, it is Stalking Awareness Month. So she was doing like a ton of press um, and talking to, um, you know, groups and everything, the DA in California. She's been doing a bunch of different things for Stalking Awareness Month. So it was difficult to get a time settled down, but we will have her on to talk about her case in full. So that's why I'm just doing like a brief little overview of, of it. She was stalked by a man named Justin Masler. He had seen her photo in a magazine and decided she was going to be his next target. And when I say next, I mean next. He then met her at a gallery opening in 2011 and began his reign of terror on Lenora. He looked her right in the eye and told her, quote, I'm going to stalk you. Huh. Okay. And that's exactly what he did. Now, mind you, when he approached her at the gallery, he was wearing like a spacesuit. So. So she didn't know what he looked like. I'm not. No, I, I'm not 100% sure if she could see his face, but just keep it in mind that he was wearing a spacesuit. So right off the bat, it's setting the tone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Over seven years, Masler, who changed his name to Cloud Star Chaser. Cool. So keep. <laughs> I knew you were going to think that was cool. <laughs> but also keep that in mind. Stalked, threatened, and terrified Lenora. Masler had a history of stalking celebrities, including Kim Kardashian, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Ivanka Trump. In 2017, he was arrested, and in 2018 was convicted of felony stalking. He actually took a plea deal. He was sentenced to four years. However, due to Prop 57, a bill to allow nonviolent offenders the possibility of early parole, Masler was released in 2019. Through this ordeal, Lenora has become an incredible victim advocate and centerpiece in the justice system for creating new laws surrounding victims' rights. I spoke with Lenora briefly yesterday to get a little more insight into Masler's psyche, because again, we're talking about the psychology behind what he did versus the case as a whole. So I asked her a lot about like his diagnosis and things like that. She said Masler's diagnosis was originally that of schizophrenia. But Lenora's father, who has since passed away, but was a former psychiatrist, had thought Masler had more schizoaffective tendencies due to his manic episodes. The diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder was later confirmed by law enforcement, television producers, as well as the DA on the case. So again, to show that schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder get confused, they get confused by even, even the professionals. professionals. He would send Lenora manic messages all day long, one after the other with no end in sight. After about 24 to 36 hours of nonstop bombardment, it seemed, according to Lenora, that Masler would burn out and the messages would stop for a couple of days. 
But then they would start right back up again and would become increasingly more violent and sexually aggressive as the episode went on. So he would constantly be messaging her, saying very crude things to her, threatening her, um, saying he was going to murder her and her family, murder, um, kidnap her, uh, just do horrible things to her. But the fact that it was constant bombardment of these messages, it was nonstop of this mania. She even said she could tell the difference between when he was having a manic episode t- messaging her versus when he was just messaging her in, yeah. in I, I want to say, quote unquote, an, a, a normal state. Right. Um, she, she could see a distinct difference. Wow. Um, so it was obvious to her that he truly has mania right. and had very manic episodes. So I'm going to actually play for Dan. I'm not going to play it on here. I think it's from um, a 48 hours episode, but I'm going to play for Dan um, a clip of, of Masler and we'll come back right after I play that so that you can hear Dan's opinion on this dude. So we're back. We just watched the clip. Uh, What's your take on that? So had you showed me that before we started recording, I would have said, I don't know if this guy really has a disorder. I just think he's trolling. Mm. Um, But I think the way that that clip got edited together, it kind of edited it to look like he was just shouting obvious nonsense. Mm. Like he was trying to troll. So, but let's pretend for the moment that that was that, and I'll assume that that was like a 45 minute long thing that was compressed down into a minute and a half of just, just the highlights, just him freaking out and say that there was, you know, 42 other minutes of him being fairly calm. Yeah. I mean, if we assume that those were individual episodes, then I would say for sure there's, there's something going on in this guy's head that is not right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, but but like I said, when you distill it down into those individual quotes like that one clip did, where he's just talking about how he's the Messiah and he's God mm. and he's going to kill everyone, like those are the kinds of things that you say when you're trying to make people think that you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Because those are so, like, typical. Like, every, every time you see a movie yes. and someone's supposed to be quote-unquote crazy in a movie, they say those exact things. Right. So if I were going to try to convince somebody that I were nuts for some reason, I would probably say all the same things. Right. Which I'm not saying that obviously that means that you don't, you aren't suffering from some kind of actual psychiatric disorder. I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't lend very much credence to it. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I'm sure that that's just the highlights from a significantly longer interview. And I kind of wish I could have seen the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, having said that, I mean, the guy's claiming that he's the Messiah and also claiming that he's God, which are contrary points you're either the messiah or god god is not the messiah in any of the religions that have that word in it um yeah um and then the constant screaming threats which the funny thing is and this is another reason why 
And that's why I would have given a completely different opinion had you played that clip for me independently. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason why I would have looked at that and said, no, that guy is clearly doing this on purpose is there isn't genuine anger when he's when he's yelling, I'm going to kill them, try to stop me, I'm destroying them. There isn't really genuine rage in yeah. his words. He's clearly forcing, he's, he's forcing it. He's trying to sound scary. He's trying to sound angry. But, I mean, that could just be a function of the disorder, too. It could mm-hmm. be that the, you know, you don't really believe that you're going to kill people, but the disorder is just irritating you so much that you have no choice but to, for lack of a better word, pretend, put on a show. Right. Um, I honestly, I wouldn't really be afraid of someone like that. And, and again, this is, don't take that out of context and say like, oh, don't be afraid of this guy. Obviously this is a person who's capable of doing harm. Like I said, every single human is capable of taking any other human's life at any given time. Right. I, I don't care if you're Conor McGregor. If Conor McGregor is drunk and passed out on the floor, a baby could walk up to him and stab him in the neck. <laughs> um, now I'm picturing that and that's weird. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, anyone can be dangerous. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like when you're, when you've got that, that kid in the schoolyard who's like smaller than everyone else, but he's trying to like prove how tough he is. He's got the chihuahua, uh, mechanism going on in his brain. So he's like trying to act like he's crazy and he's all angry, but like, if you understand the human condition enough you can tell that it's an act that's kind of what i was getting from that Mm. um which i don't know i guess is kind of even more dangerous because you may underestimate someone like that yeah and i mean i talked a little bit about it on the minisode but um most of the time and i i'm i i can't tell you the exact statistic but most of the time um stalking turns violent so if somebody is stalking you and they're 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 threatening you with violence, a lot of the time it's going to actually come to the point of violence. So hearing these threats, you know, at first you may not take them seriously. You might think, oh, he's he's just being an idiot, you know, whatever it is. And then you start to hear them more and more and more. And it, it, first of all, it gets ingrained in you. I mean, she was stalked by this man for seven years and it's continuing. It's continuing to go on now that he's released. Like she's still, you know, enduring all of this. Um, so not saying that she believes him in the sense that like she she's starting to get broken down by him, but people do people get broken down by these words and oh, yeah. they start to really think, Oh, you know, what's going to happen to me? When is it going to happen? Definitely. So there's that fear that's instilled in you, which even if he doesn't mean to do physical harm, he wants to scare the shit out of the person that he's stalking. Right. And, uh, he's, he, he has done a very good job of that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you don't know when somebody is, is making it up, is joking about it, is, is really going to take that right. to the next level. Right. And that's why you, you, you really have to take it seriously. Yes. You can't just be like, oh, this guy's full of crap. Exactly. I'm just, I'm not going to take it seriously. Exactly. Um, you know, like, like you said in the, in the Friends episode, um, that Joey and Chandler got a little afraid right away. And yeah, you know what? Frankly, that's a reasonable reaction because yes. you don't know what's going to happen. 
You don't know that something's bad is going to happen, but you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, more to to Masler's disorder. Um, so he was actually, when he was sentenced, he was sentenced to a, uh, a, a regular correctional facility, even though he was diagnosed with schizophrenia slash schizoaffective disorder, depending on who was diagnosing him. Um, he, he was not put in a psychiatric facility, which is mistake number one. Right. Um, this type of person needs to be put in a, a mental institution to get him the help that he needs and to keep him from harming anyone, including himself, right. if that's if that's a potential um, danger. Um, you, L- Lenora told me that he also has stopped taking his antipsychotics because, you know, he's out right now. He, he's out. He was released right. early, so he's out. He wears an ankle monitor, but he's out. Um, so he has rights, you know, he has the freedom now to say whether or not he wants to take his medication. So he's not taking his antipsychotics. So right. he can still be going through all of these episodes and you don't know what's going to come of those episodes. And while he is being monitored, I mean... People with it, ankle monitors go off the rails all the time. They 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 violate protection orders. They violate their their parameters. I mean, and if he intends to do harm to a person or take a person's life, the ankle monitor doesn't stop him. Correct. Ankle monitors are not like electric shock collars. Correct. That as soon as you step off your property, it immobilizes. Exactly. You. All it does is alert. Probably not even the police department. It probably alerts a third-party company. I would assume... That then contacts the police department and say, oh, hey, we got this alert you guys need to check out. And then there's, like, paperwork that has to go back and forth. And then eventually a police officer is dispatched to the person's home to verify that they're there. But you know they're not there. Right. I'm That's thinking, what the alert was for. I'm thinking that it might alert, like, a parole officer or something. But exactly, it's but not, I that's feel not like the police. Knowing, so knowing like, this country, I'll bet you yeah. it doesn't. I'll bet you that there's some kind of third-party private organization right. that actually owns the ankle monitor and gets informed and then they call the police. Well, so I'm actually going to get into a little bit of what Lenora thinks would be a good idea for having these ankle monitors um, after I talk a little bit more about his disorder. So she Electroshock collars. I know. Just to mobilize them. <laughs> In the case of someone who has proven, who has threatened violence... Immobilize them. The thing is, he technically. So this is part of what Lenora's issue is that he technically is not a not. He is technically not a violent offender. Right. So that's why he was released early because he was one of those under that stand that new standard that non-violent offenders could get released. He technically never was violent towards her. But he's indicated an intent to be violent. Exactly. And that's where her issue lies. It's the fact that he has threatened violence on numerous occasions, and you don't know what he's actually going to do. His intentions are there. But when is he going to actually step over that line and make his intentions real? That's where the issue is between the stalking victim and law enforcement. Well, he hasn't done anything. So like we can't we can't enforce anything. Bullshit. Right. And again, I talked about this on the minisode. Like we need to change legislation when it comes to stalking. Like significantly because people don't take it as seriously because they're like, oh, it's just harassment. It's just threats. It'll go away. Like right. just change your phone number. 
whatever. They will still find you. And if you're making them more angry because you're changing your phone number or you're moving or whatever the case is, a protection order is not going to help you. It's not going to do anything when they want to shoot you in the head or come to your house and stab you to death. Right. It doesn't do anything. Right. Exactly. So having an ankle monitor not doing anything it doesn't right. matter that he's monitored by whoever's monitoring that right system right he can still find her and do something to her right and it will be too late right. when the police come right it will be too late right exactly so again more about his his um condition itself more about the disorder itself so part of his belief system and again so now we're 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 stepping away from the manic part of it and we're going into the schizophrenia part of it as part of his belief system it's that lenora is the real life incarnation of jessica rabbit she has gorgeous red bright red hair like i used to um and she's very you know voluptuous she's she's absolutely stunning um she's the real life incarnation of jessica rabbit lilu from fifth element as well as other characters he also believes that he is the incarnation of Superman, Harry Potter. He will watch movies, television, fantasy type shows, read comic books, and associate them with him and her. And he will put her into that character. So how Brooke Shields' character thought Joey was really Drake Ramore, he thinks that Lenora is really Lilu and that he is really Harry Potter or whatever it is. And it's always at the time that he's watching these particular things. So she said that she never knows what is going on in his head because he doesn't she doesn't know what media he's consuming at that time until she starts getting messages from him. Right. Now, he has threatened to kidnap her to actually show her how to harness her superpowers because he believes she's not using them correctly. He wants to show her how to use them in order to become this this superhero or whatever it is that he believes she is when he's watching or reading whatever media he's he's consuming at that time. Well, that's cool. How helpful. I wish somebody would show me how to use my hidden superpowers. Lenora, if you're listening to this, I apologize (laughs) for my husband. (laughs) Please take what he says with a grain of salt. A big one. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's part of his delusion. That's part of the schizophrenia part of it. He really believes that these are her and he is whoever, you know, whatever character he's watching right. that's that's the male counterpart right and there's an important distinction to be made in friends between oh. brooke shields okay. and gunther who spends the entire series legitimately convinced that he and rachel have a thing oh. that they don't have <laughs> but the difference is brooke shields is diagnosable oh yeah <laughs> gunther just needs to chill he, he just he so we talk in in these podcasts uh in this one and in blackboard we talk a lot about the difference between somebody who is diagnosable, someone who has yeah. a disorder, yeah. and someone who's maybe just a little quirky. quirky. <laughs> we use the word quirky. Yeah. Um, so don't think that you're this person that you know that sort of does these things every now and then 
needs to be committed. Yeah. They may just be a little bit of a quirky Ex- person. Exactly. Yeah. So it's an important difference that 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 Brooke Shields versus Gunther mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. difference is an important one to recognize. It, you know, this guy yeah. is Brooke Shields. He yeah. clearly has a problem yeah. and needs help. Yep. Absolutely. No, that's that's really good to to bring up. Um, for any um, people who watch Friends, and I hope everyone out there does. Everyone I hope watches Friends. All of our listeners watch Friends, and if you don't, you're just... either you're either old enough to have watched Fre- have watched Friends, or you're not young enough to think it's cool to pretend you used to watch Friends. <laughs> so or you're a baby, and whatever. You shouldn't be listening to this. This is adult content. <laughs> well, I put the explicit with every episode. So well, then they you shouldn't, shouldn't be listening to this as a baby. <laughs> so, um. Like I mentioned before, um, Lenora ha- is a, a huge advocate for, for victims and victims' rights. Um, she has actually been in talks with the new L.A. district attorney um, to potentially bring about a new system for um, stalkers um, in order for their stalking victims to know when they have been released. So... What she is thinking and, um, you know, fingers crossed. That's not already a thing. No, it's it's more it's more involved. Okay. It's more. I was involved. like, they don't automatically tell you when <laughs> your stalker's getting out of jail. They're supposed to. Sometimes people don't get notified, and they're supposed to. Yeah, because that's that's like yes. a thing. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is further. This is even further. Okay. This is this is taking the ankle monitoring even okay. further. Okay. So her solution um, is so they get ankle monitors. She believes that what should happen is that they get geo-tracking on their ankle monitors and that the stalking victim gets access to an app that actually shows them the the perpetrator's location. That sounds good. Right? (laughs) It's such a smart idea. It's such an easy... If you get somebody who who knows how to do that stuff, it's such an easy thing to accomplish. I mean, it's like, if I knew how to do it, I could do it in like a second. It's really... It's it's a simple thing. So, you know, the state or the or the county or whatever would have to contract with somebody who can develop this this software um, or this app in general, um, because the software is obviously already out there. Um, But... It would be a way for stalking victims to know that their perpetrator is either in close proximity to them or is nowhere near them. So they don't have to be concerned. You know, if they get bombarded by the messages and stuff like that, then that's one thing. And, you know, I'm sure after years of dealing with it, they know how to deal with it. But if somebody is released and they don't even know where they are. They could be right. outside their house or they could be in a completely different state. And the thing is, you're just going to assume. And yes. frankly, you should assume. Yes. If I had a violent stalker who was getting out of jail, I would be like, well, we're moving. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, or somebody who was convicted of murdering, you know, murdering uh, someone and I was a witness in their case. Yes. Yeah. And 20 years later, they're getting out of jail. I'd be like, well, I'm leaving. Right. Exactly. So (laughs) you have to assume they're outside your window. Right. So it's a really good way to keep tabs on um, nonviolent offenders and and to know that you are in a safe space, that you are safe from their harm um, at that time. Um, and it also will then show if they are, you know, if they have, if you have a protection order, if they're encroaching on that. You can then notify the police and be like, hey, you know, I see on my app that this person is now within 100 yards of me or whatever, whatever your protection order has. Um, So 
it's it's such a smart idea. It's a really, really, really effective way to do things. And it's it's a way to really try to cut down on the the prison population when somebody is nonviolent. Clearly, if this person became violent, there's no reason they should be released, period. Um, and in in Masler's case, again, with having the diagnosis that he does, he shouldn't have been in a regular con- right. correctional facility in the first place. So like I said before, that was mistake number one. He should have just been put into a psychiatric facility. And I don't understand why he wasn't, um, especially in California, because it really seems like they like to do that there. Um, they're one of the states that have created um full systems for um, psychiatric correctional facilities. So I'm really unsure why. Um, I, I mean, it probably was part of his plea. Um, he, he, like I said, he took a plea. So it was probably part of his plea deal. Um, instead of going to a psych facility, he went to this for only four years. I don't know the circumstances surrounding that. I obviously was not part of this case or anything like that. Um, but, you know, that's something that I would like to 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 know. And hopefully if um, when we get Lenora on, she can shed a little more light on why he was um, sent to just a state facility rather than um, a psychiatric facility. So mistake number one. But, you know, if he had an ankle monitor and Lenora was able to track him herself, she would not be dealing with the fear as she is still currently because he's out. Okay. So thank you, Lenora, for sharing your story with me so that I am, I was able to share it with our listeners. And again, we are very hopeful that you will come on and share your story in full with our listeners. But in the meantime, let's get back on track with this specific episode. And let's talk about another well-known person who has been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. All right. So we talked about a, I mean, technically not a violent person, but a a criminal. Uh, No, that's a violent person. (laughs) Well, (laughs) technically in the eyes of the law, he's not a violent person. Well, that's dumb. (laughs) The law is dumb. So now we're going to talk about a non-violent person. So... Brian Wilson, co-founder of the Beach Boys, has been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, which I had no idea. Um, And he's also been diagnosed with mild manic depression. So see, I think that's interesting that he was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and manic depression. So I really wonder where, how that came about. So he experiences auditory hallucinations, which began in 1965 And his condition has improved, though he still has the hallucinations. He says that he probably should have been in a mental institution in the early 2000s due to his disorder. So he actually admits, like, he really feels like there was a lot happening and he really should have been in a a true treatment facility. But he attributes his marriage to being the thing that has brought him back into his career of music. So he has found uh, light at the end of the tunnel. And while he still, you know, struggles with the hallucinations, he, he is on a better path with with his condition. So um, so again, it just goes to show that not everybody is violent. Not everybody is a criminal. And even if you have a disorder like this, if it's well controlled, you are still able to live a life of success and happiness as we see with 
Brian Wilson. I mean, one of the most successful musicians. So yeah, it's it's pretty great to see a story like that, um, especially after we just talked about Massler. <laughs> All right. And lastly, we bring you to the possible risk factors of developing schizoaffective disorder. Again, I didn't find anything that has to do with specific neurobiology, but Dan, what do you think could possibly be a risk factor for developing this disorder? Hmm. Um, well, so, uh, you know, it's hard to, <clears throat> it's hard to guess at what would be like the biological risk factors besides, you know, living next to a nuclear waste dump or underneath <laughs> power lines or yeah, the, the usual radioactive spiders. <laughs> um... You know, well, obviously one biological risk factor would be uh, a compromised pregnancy if you were born to a mother who was doing drugs or an alcoholic that could potentially cause some gene mutations during your development. Um, but obviously we'll go for more of the nurture things. Uh, what what effects in your environment could contribute you to the develop contribute to you developing this disorder? Um, you know, any kind of, any kind of extreme influences that would cause you to have to imagine a different world than the one that's real. Um, so, you know, a particularly violent household, and I know that seems like a cop out, like, oh yeah, everybody who grows up in a violent household, whatever. But seriously, any kind of extreme inputs that, that force your brain to say, I don't like the world the way it is, so I'm going to pretend it's different. And to do that enough so that as you age, you become someone who genuinely does think the world is different than it really is. Enough that you literally see a different world. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up in any kind of broken home, growing up in any kind of particularly violent situation. If you grow up in the hood and there's gang wars and, and, and crap going on when you're when you're a child that may cause you to picture monsters outside even though it's really just a gangbanger and a drug dealer you don't really know what those things are so these are monsters to you and then you grow up thinking that monsters are real and you have to have superpowers to defeat them and and anyone who grows up without sufficient parenting and is raised by a television show or raised by a video game may embrace those ideas as if they're truth and thus he thinks he's Harry Potter because he grew up you know, reading or watching Lord of the Rings and, and that imprinted on his brain enough that this is the, that's the real world. And the one that I wake up to every morning is the fake world. Um, you know, and then of course, any kind of traumatic brain injury. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen when you conk your noggin. It's true. Um, so they attribute to Brian Wilson, they attribute his long-term um, drug use That'll do it. To uh to the potential of him actually getting the the disorder. Yeah, I mean if you alter the brain chemistry mm -hmm. significantly. Yep. And um according to the DSM five, there are genetic and physiological components um that could play a role, of course. And it is said that if a first degree relative has schizoaffective disorder, bipolar disorder, or schizophrenia, a person is at higher risk of developing schizoaffective disorder itself. That's I the one thing you missed. <laughs> no, that's the thing I didn't miss. I was going to say family history, but I figured that was a cop out. 
Because family history of a disorder is the risk factor for every single disorder known to man. Correct. I specifically didn't say it, despite the fact that it was the first thing I thought of. So that's the one thing that the DSM mentions. <laughs> that's a cop out. But to be honest with you, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder could be developed because of the other things that you said. So if you have a family member who has schizophrenia or bipolar disorder because of the, the things that you mentioned, then if it's a first degree relative, you have you have a higher chance of developing schizoaffective disorder. So all of these play into one another. All of these play into reasons that you could get pretty much any any psychological disorder. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's really interesting to see how the same type of environment can make two different people ha- get two different disorders. So, yeah, it could uh, it could be any any number of things um, that can put you at risk. So you never know. Um, 50% of the population, we've talked about this, but 50% of the population suffers from a uh, mental health disorder. So it, it, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. It can happen at any time. And again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be violent or criminal or any of those things. You could be a Brian Wilson. <laughs> um but you you have to recognize um, that you or your loved one is maybe suffering from something and that they need to get help. And, uh, you know, it, that's that's our motivation for, for Psyche Saturday every week is just look out for the signs. Um, know, know how to reach out for help. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can start diminishing the stigma m- more so. Any any last words? Just the same as always, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, you really have to, and I and I did. I go. I went into it specifically, but but we all have to understand that nothing in the universe is black and white, especially the human brain. And you have to know: is this a Brooke Shields or a, or a Gunther? I wish I could remember her name, so I don't keep insulting Brooke Shields. Oh, I, I know. I could yeah, remember the she's... name of her character. Uh, let me see if I can find. But uh, yeah, you know, it's important <clears throat> to understand the difference between somebody who genuinely has a disorder, something wrong in the brain that they're seeing things that aren't there, versus somebody who either is just kind of a wacko. I shouldn't say wacko. Somebody who's quirky mm-hmm. or somebody who's full of shit and they're just intentionally acting right. different because they love the spotlight. Right. Yeah. Um, her her character's name was Erica Ford. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's important to recognize the Erica's, the Erica Fords versus the Gunther right. Central Perks. Yes. <laughs> Gunther, Gunther Central Perk. Because <laughs> I don't know if we ever find out his actual I don't name. think we ever do. I think but, he's, uh, uh, he's just Gunther. Yeah. I mean, and, and... You know, you're not going to be able to know this as a lay person. And frankly, you're not even going to be able to know this as a professional psychiatrist because it's it's a field of so much gray. It's a field of so much gray. We'd have no we still have no idea how the human brain works. So we're just taking shots in the dark here. But um, you're not going to know. But just try to understand and try to always be thinking that maybe the people around you think differently than you do. And maybe you should try to step back from the situation and put your own biases aside and see the world through somebody else's eyes. Mm. And 
understand that every situation, whether it's dealing with a person or 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 dealing with a suspicious package on your doorstep <laughs> or or a suspicious looking device on the side of the road, everything needs to be taken with caution and and you have to be patient. Be patient. Be patient. That is Dan's parting advice okay, for this one. episode. I like the it. The thing that humans lack is patience. Mm. Calm the down, <laughs> chill out, yeah. and use your brain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's it for our schizoaffective disorder episode of Psyche Saturday. Um, of course, you can find us on all major uh, podcast platforms. You can find all of our social media as well as our links to our podcast platforms on our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. You can find um, Lenora Claire on Facebook and um, Instagram at Lenora Claire. Um, I will also tag her in this. Um, she comments on a bunch of our stuff on Instagram, so it's not hard to find her anyway. If you That's just nice that she managed to get her whole name. She doesn't have to put official or real or anything like that. No, I think she's just at Lenora Claire. I mean, I'll tag her, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she's That's just cool. at Lenora Claire. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, reach out to her. She is always willing to talk to anybody who has um, any questions about victims rights um anything that has to do with the especially the california um legal system um as well as of course any you know stalking questions you might have um she's very knowledgeable uh she's incredibly nice and compassionate and she just she wants to help so um reach out to her if you if you need anything um and of course reach out to us we can provide you with resources and uh, we will uh, we will be heard by you tomorrow on our all new Blackbird episode. And don't judge a brain by its body. Bye. Coming every week on podcast platforms everywhere, a podcast like no other. Listen to John as he talks about comic books, video games, and anything he wants. Every week is a new topic. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll subscribe. Follow The Basement Reload on all social media platforms at Basement Reload and smash that subscribe button. It's time for a reload.